podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. From LPL, I'm Alon. This is the first of four preseason pods, and when the game just coming out this morning, we're doing initial reactions, initial takes, players we love, players we hate. But first, what did you do this offseason? This offseason was jam-packed for me, FPL-sized hole in my life, but yeah. bought a bought a house with the missus. So oh, that's been, huge. That's been taking up most of our time the last few weeks, but Otherwise, I mean, I don't fucking care about the house. I just want to talk about FPL. <laughs> I love that right. yours is like, we bought a house, and mine's like, I played a lot of video games. <laughs> is, that, is that what's going on? Overwatch.com? Yeah. A lot of Hearthstone, a lot of Overwatch, and I'm making a game, but you know. I, I was <laughs> talking to Scott Tempe Bug. I said, I'm not ready for FPL yet. He said, you don't have to be ready. Just jump in. You know how to swim. So um, here That's I am. true. Here we are. Hi, listener. Hello. It's a, wel- oh, it's a, it's a welcome season three for us on FML. Season here. fucking three, dude. I feel yeah. like it, we're a success story waiting to happen. Yeah, like we're trying to be anyway. Yeah, we got the, I renewed the league this morning, the big public league. There's a fucking billion people in there. If you want to join, fmlpl.com, click league. Fine today. Yeah, we've got some new announcements that'll be coming in the next couple preseason episodes. We've been talking about you know, the pod and the listenership and ways to improve. So that'll be coming soon. But in the meantime, let's get stuck in. What do you want to, what do you want to get into on the first topic here? Let's talk about maybe the new chip, just because it's like an actual new thing other than just prices. Any new thoughts chip, on new it? New rules. New chip, well, new AOA, rules. AOA. AOA's gone. We, AOA, well-documented, most useless thing of life ever. And they got rid of it because they listened to the pod and we just shit on it all day. Probably. Um, I think, I mean, I've seen very opposite ends of the spectrum takes on the new chip. Hardcore FPLers kind of thinking it's too easy for the casual to make amends for their poor planning. But I think it's kind of fun. I mean, it's just an, another strategy thing that everyone will have, and sometimes you'll come out ahead, and sometimes you won't. But you know, for those blank game weeks, we won't have to hang on to those Bournemouth and Watt and West Brom players like last season, maybe. And we could pop it then to field a full team. Won't have to maybe rethink our planning for our second wild card. We could use this free hit chip for for a uh, double game week festival. So I think I'm thinking definitely around using it at that time, but I think the AOA chip was so futile and useless that replacing it with anything that is more on similar firepower as the triple captaincy chip and the bench boost is a good good shout by the game. I think it's a good idea, well intentioned, uh, but we'll, we'll have to see how it how it works out. What do you think? Yeah, I I love it. I'm really excited about it. I think I agree with you. I think they just did a really good job in inventing a new you know, game mechanic, and I think it will work. I understand where all those hardcore people are coming from, but, you know, I guess that's how they, how FBL Towers intended it for, intended it to be used, is like that blank game week when there was like four fucking games and every casual is probably complaining. That's when they want to paper over the cracks, but 
it can be used so many different ways. Like you could have like, you know, three Spurs attackers in your team and they have a really, really bad fixture while, you know, Liverpool and Arsenal have really good fixtures and you can just go for it then. Like I think there it's interesting and there's a lot of like cool uses for it. And yeah, like you said, it just adds another strategic element to, you know, a game that's not entirely based on strategy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. New chip. Fucking fuck the new chip off. I'm already don't give a fuck. Yeah, I'm it. bored. Let's talk about players. Do you want to talk about some of the premium guys, or do you want to get into some of the new new faces in the league? What's what's tickling your fancy? I think premium's fun, and I I most like to start in the midfield because I think the pricing is very very interesting. Very, very good. I think interesting. It, very good. It is good. I mean, like last year, there just seemed to be like so many good, really good, really nailed midfielders that around like between like seven and nine. And this year, like all of those elite midfielders are pretty much nine and up. Like every everyone below nine pretty much carries some significant risk, whether it's like rotation except, or whatever. Except for like Zaha. Well, Zaha's a god, but you know yeah. what I mean. He's not he's not elite levels. So it, but just the the overall price bump on all those I don't know what to call them. Upper mid tier mids. Well, I think eight five last year and also seven five. That's kind of the last couple seasons been that like the very common price point for those midfielders who you hope to bank value surplus value on. But this year it seems like it's as you're saying higher, more in the nine nine five region. And when we're looking at the midfielders from you know City Arsenal. Uh, Spurs with Ollie and Erickson and those Liverpool, kinds of guys. Chelsea. Liverpool, they're all nine plus. Yeah, a lot of nine plus guys. So we really do need to at the midfield premium bracket pick our horses and kind of stick by them because, as we know, you know if you if you have a two game week window where you're trying to get a return and you flip them too quickly, you could miss out on the point hauls on you know weeks three and four. So. I think picking those premium midfielders, yeah, from the early doors is going to be very important. This yeah, season. to me, almost more than the forwards, that kind of defines your team because, I mean, there there are obviously options in heavy hitting forwards. There's maybe like five or six like huge, and every team will have at least one, probably two. But the mids are so interesting to me because, especially guys like Ali and Erickson, it's like if you choose to go that route, you're probably doing so so you, so you don't have to get Kane who's yeah, most so let's expensive start right player there. in the game. Yeah. You got you got Kane in at 12 and a half. He's obviously probably alongside Lukaku, maybe outside looking in Aguero as the best captaincy options week in week out. 95 price for Ali and Eriksen. I definitely did not anticipate their them both coming in at 95. I think it was very shrewd by the game to price them at that because it really makes you think is Kane worth the three million yeah, more? Yeah, three million more is really. It's a lot of money. A lot of money. A lot of money. Yeah. The other thing that is an X factor that it's difficult to plan for is they have half their games at Wembley instead of at home at White Hart Lane or wherever their new fucking stadium's going to be. So you know, do you want to double on their attack? Obviously, Ali at nine five, looking at his return rate in the last two seasons. He's still 21, 22, whatever it is, improving. Do you want to double there, risk it, that they're going to keep firing at Wembley? Do you want to try and avoid the midfield and look at other teams for kind of coverage things? I think that's, 
for me so far in day one has been the biggest question that's been rattling around in my mind. Yeah, very, very when, similar to me because I put Kane in straight away and I think you did too. And then it's, yeah, just three million is just such an incredible gap that points wise that. Kane will not outvalue Ali. It just won't happen, barring no, big no, injury. There's no, there's no chance. There's no chance. But if you're captaining Kane, say, 50%, 60% of the time, and it comes and he, off, then that's he where he, he earns his keep. So it's tough. It's really, really fucking tough. That's, like, the most so, interesting thing. And, I mean, something I've been trying to do is to disassociate one from the other and just look at... Kane against the other premium forwards, Lukaku, Aguero, Gab Jesus, Lacazette of the world, and then looking at um, Ali against other players in his bracket, you know, KDB, Otsal, Eriksen, Coutinho, Mane, etc. Yeah. It's really difficult to imagine that a very young Deli Ali is not going to continue to take steps forward. And I don't know how much of Kane back because he had a lot of his braces when Kane was out last year. Yeah, that's an important thing. That's an important thing. Um, but I think that you still would feel comfortable captaining Ollie if you did not own Kane and Spurs had a home banker or a Wembley banker. So I think that Ollie is definitely a captaincy shout. But I think flying under the radar is at the same time as Ericsson, who's a Bonus point magnet, and he had very good returns and very strong returns last season. Maybe not the room for growth or improvement that Ali does because of the age and kind of you know what Ericsson is. I mean, it's just hard to get much more than 20 assists. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, Ericsson's also at 9.5, an incredible value. So you could look at a very solid team where you have Ericsson and Ali and you do not own Kane. So I think the Spurs conundrum is very... Is going to be dictating a lot of teams' early success, seeing kind of how many goals Spurs score in the first three or four fixtures, how they look at Wembley, um, and then if you kind of end up on the right side of the coin there. Yeah. But for me right now, I'm looking at going with Kane solo, and I think I have Ozil in right now, but I was really surprised that Ozil was priced at 9.5. I thought he was going to come in at 9.0. I think it's a little unfair on Ozil, yeah. A, lo- a little bit. I-, I mean, especially judging, you know, looking at Ali's point returns the last two seasons, his age and, and his room for growth again. It's, like, it's hard to reason Ozil is going to have a better season than Ali. That's very difficult to imagine. But Yeah, I mean, time- it's, it's hard to imagine Ericsson having a better season than Ali. And Ericsson and Ozil, I feel like, are the more comparable too. You know, right, it, like it fair. would have been fair to go Ollie nine five, Ericsson nine, Ozil nine. I think that would have or, been fair. Or Ollie ten. Yeah. I mean or having 10, him yeah. priced having him priced a half million above. But at the same time, at we're looking at these little value blah 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 things about point five here, point five there. They can all earn their price and you Easily. gotta get the guys that you like. So I kind of think that Ozil is going to have a nice year. I like Lacazette up top. I like I liked him in the three four three. I like the two and a half million savings on Alexis, and I like having an Arsenal attacker. So I'm never going to captain Ali with Kane in my team. So I think it's that's kind of where I'm looking at rolling the dice and going for Ozil over Ali. But it's it, it is really hard to reason not owning Ali, no matter yeah. who else the other fourteen players you have at nine five that price. I think. Is the most standout. I was expecting him to come at ten five. Yeah, me too. And yeah. and I would have absolutely zero complaints about that. 
Yeah. I would not even bat an eye at that. Bat an, bat an, bat an eyelash? What is that expression? You can't bat your eye because it's like your fucking eyeball. What is a bat even? A, you bat like you're, you're raising and lowering your eyebrow. No, 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 no. I bat lash. your eyelash. Eyelid. Right? It's your eyelid. Bat your eyelid? I don't know. I think it's Please bat your me. eyelash. I think this needs to be cut from the pot. No, this is 100% staying in. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> you did mention one, um, one big, very important player from last season, which is Alexis. 12 million, second most expensive player in the game. And did you ever consider putting him in? No, has I mean the thought has not crossed my mind. Not at crossed all. my mind at all. Yeah. You got a million and a half less for Lacazette. You've got you know two and a half less for Ozil. On the wing again, we've been we've been talking about it for a long time, and it didn't necessarily come off for us towards the end of last season when we were backing Ozil hard, even though Ozil was returning very well. He didn't Alexis do had a couple of things. Yeah, Alexis had a couple of late lucky late goals and things like this, but. On the wing, twelve million is a ridiculous price uh, for a midfielder in the game. Period. I don't know if they've ever had a twelve million midfielder in the game. Um, it's going to be tough for him to earn that, especially because we found last season when he wasn't getting a double return, he was not very good on the bonus points. So unlike someone like Hazard, who gets a goal or an assist, and he's going to be nailed for a minimum two bonus or points, Ozil. like this, or Ozil for yeah, exactly. I think Alexis at twelve is like a step too far. Yeah, it's unless just, if we it's see, just too soon, yeah, yeah, and you know he he still was good when they had three at the back. His his positioning and everything was fine, but I think with Lacazette and Ozil both so much less, you got to go there, and and also forgotten man Ramsey is only at seven. Dude, I don't. So there's a, what what's the deal with this Ramsey hype? I'm not. On board. I, no, I'm not on board. I was on board for my little rogue period last season, but no, but like seven is yeah, seven is cheap. He was he had, his stats were good when they switched to their three four three formation last season. He was making late runs into the box. He's nailed. He's the cheapest nailed attacker in that side. Um, I get it a little bit, but I still just think he's never is he nailed? When he was, I think he's nailed. Yeah. I don't know. How could he not be nailed with shock or whatever? I mean, if they're going three four three and they're going to be playing two wing backs and three, like they need to have someone who can do something in the box besides Ozil, Lacazette. Is uh, Jack going to be back? Is Santi going to be back? Is Ox Santi, is Ox going to play there or something? Well, Ox would probably be wing back if anything, if he's still there, if he's not at Liverpool. But yeah, I mean, Santi, he's trying to. Santi had another setback, so he's out. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just not sold on Rambo, but. We're getting we're getting nuts on this. We're getting we're getting too far. On yeah, we can we but. can't go like too deep on our scast. But another thing that you brought up just with like comparing Alexis Price to Ozil and Lacazette is also like a thing that I keep thinking about is just like coverage and what is coverage and do we actually care or need coverage? Because like you mentioned, you want an Arsenal attacker. I feel like in in seasons past that was much more important, but there's just so many good teams right now. There's like six top teams, not three. You know what I mean? And there's teams yeah, that I, are scoring a ton of goals. And it's just like, I don't know, Kane and Ali is just better than Kane and Ozil, right? Like, what does coverage even mean? It's just their points. Yeah, I, I think definitely the coverage is kind of a myth. But at the same time, when you look at someone like Ozil versus similarly priced players on Liverpool when they have 
you know, five very attacking players, whereas Arsenal only has three. The goals that Arsenal is going to score, and they will score goals because of their quality. You have a higher percent chance that you're one that he's of their, included. That he's going to be involved in the goal on the on a stat sheet FPL basis. I guess so. I don't know if I buy into coverage. I might have to do some hardcore research on that. Like it's, I, 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 I believe in coverage defensively. Absolutely makes yeah, well, a ton of sense. Yeah. But I, yeah, I just don't know if it matters attacking, especially with guys that you're never going to captain. Like yeah, with, no, and with captainable that's... guys, it makes sense because if you don't have United coverage and Lukaku is the highest owned player in the game and they have a banker, you're open to a lot of risk. But yeah, yeah I and just I th- don't know. I think I, I agree with you broad, broadly speaking that I think coverage is definitely a myth, and you know I think. Previously, talking about not looking at Ollie because oh we have too many Spurs assets or whatever. It's looking at Ollie against other players in that price bracket. If you think that Ollie will get more points than player B or player C, who you're looking at in his in his place on your FPL team, then you go for Ollie. You know that that's yeah. that's a no brainer. That's how I feel. Yeah. To me, I still think you know with Kane in the side. I think the Wembley thing is it's it's in the back of my mind. Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see if they can turn up like they did last yeah. season. Yeah, and they're more than capable of turning sides over away, scoring three, four away, and, and good fixtures. But if they're going to be having like an Olympic stadium like West Ham did last year, kind of like a, a trouble like that, because remember they had a lot of difficulty playing those Europa League games at Wembley early doors Granted, oh, yeah. they were kind of they were rotating a little bit it wasn't their first team and they did start playing better towards the end of the season every other team's going to have the same issue coming into Wembley as like it's an away ground but it's the same kind of thing if they came into White Hart Lane it's an away ground so i think just doubling on spurs there is also a little bit in the back of my mind is like okay like maybe i want to Diversify my portfolio a little bit more at the beginning. Is making an Ozil to Ali switch very simple? I right, guess. Right. I also think that Ali brass tacks didn't perform as well when Kane was in the side. He had so many of his points when he was the farthest forward actual when Kane was yeah. out. And that's, I think, the big reason why he's 9 5 and not 10 5. Because yeah, that possibly. those like seven goals and Four game weeks or whatever was right. Kane was out. Yeah, Kane was out. So, all right, let's let's move on because this is I'm fucking tired of talking about this. What do you want to talk about next? We have some questions. I wanna I wanna get into the seven million midfield brackets. There's okay. a lot of action there. A lot yeah, of action. lot of action. It's hard. I think th- it's hard to go under. Is, yeah, but I, this is where we we have our darlings, like players that we love. Talk to me. Who do you love? I mean, obviously, Zaha goes without saying. Listeners of the pod know that. So I'm going to just put that in a little box, compartmentalize it away. He's fucking such a dead cert in my team. But <laughs> Tadic at 6'5 gets me fucking hard as fuck, and I want to beat <laughs> off to his 8-pack all the his time. His fucking 15-pack uneven. His 5-million-pack. Yeah. 6'5 is a silly price for him, especially if, you know, he Pellegrino's looking at the 4-2-3-1, whatever, and he should be in the hole with a very free role there. I don't think he's going to be dumb enough like QL to stick him out on the wing where he's not going to be able to influence games as much. Very excited about Tadic's prospects. So he's pretty much in there for me. At Tadic is just, yeah, he's such I can't, an enigma. I can't quit him. Uh, he's cook. Like he is cocaine. He is cocaine. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like he just has the upside of like Ozil <laughs> at 6'5". Yeah, better. 
He's insane. But he could also just be the worst thing ever, even though he com- creates a billion chances per game and all those underlying oh, yeah. stats. I don't know. He's so hard to read. Oh, yeah. Impossible. But the fixtures for Southampton are absurd, absurd. for the first like, three months. So I actually I screamed. I was like looking around at like defenders and like rotation, and I just clicked, clicked on like Forster or something, and I was like, whoa! And I yeah. just went through everyone. I was just like, oh, my God. Yeah, it's really good for a while. Yeah. Um, but you also, I mean, in the seven million bracket with Chelsea with Hazard out, I have Willie. I have Willian and, straight in. Yeah, I have Willian in my draft right now too. I mean, between Fabregas and Willian, hopefully one of them takes a step forward in preseason, and we figure out which one of them's nailed. But I mean, they need a forward. Mil- they don't need a fucking midfielder. You know what I mean? I see them as yeah, but, complete separate entities. It's like, but. He also didn't need to start Matic and Conte when they're playing home Burnley last season, and he did every fucking time twice on Sunday. So I don't know what he's going to do. Right, that's true. Yeah, he could just three-man midfield or something. I don't know. Yeah, I just feel I like William was so effective in pretty much every appearance last season. Like, I was I looking know, I, at his numbers. Like, he had 13 bonus points, eight goals, pretty much all as a sub. Like, it was just crazy. And, and everyone remembers the year before, the year uh, – Moo got fired. He was like their only good player. And he was just yeah. every free kick he was taking, he was taking all the corners, and he was just incredible. So seven million for that just feels like a steal. Yeah, and even if Hazard's only out for a few weeks, I mean that's a good short term punt that you can easily replace in that price back. Yeah, I mean that's the guy that I go to Zaha with or go down to Tadic with, like guys who I think inherently are a little riskier. You know, right. I can right, then right, make right. that swap. Right. But also in the 7 million, I mean, I think Wijnaldum is definitely not a name to forget. Um, yeah. United, I mean, United a little bit step up at 8 million. You know, you have Paul, you have Mkhitaryan, Martial. We'll have to, Perisic is going to be coming in soon. He'll probably be in at 8 million as well. It feels like one of them will be good, probably. Yeah, there could be some value in that United midfield if someone nails themselves and takes a step forward. Yeah, because there's also um, rumors that they're going to buy a defensive midfielder and like move Paul up to number 10 or something like that. Yeah, you know, we'll have so, to see. Yeah, we'll have to see. And then, you know, Spurs have Son, who's supposed to be a little injured, but he's he could be there, still a thing, if they don't sign anyone, which they haven't done. Stoke have Arnautovic. Uh, Siggy's pretty expensive at 8.5. What the fuck really are Spurs doing, even thinking about spending $30 million on Barkley? I mean, they just need some depth. He's young, English, raw beef, grade A. <laughs> he is just a piece of fucking meat, that's, though. That's what he is. He's meatier than Prosciutto Bob. Like, uh, Bob just, Elliott. I don't, Spurs haven't bought a player, so I don't know what the fucking actual fuck they're doing. Yeah, it seems like that's Potch's weakness. Like, he's great at so many things, but like, he buys like these little gem guys, like Ali and like Dyer and shit, but like, they don't usually splash and succeed, it seems like. Yeah. Well, he'll splash thirty on Sissoko and play him for four games. That's so what I mean. That was, That's like that he's great. he's the poster oh, no, boy for this. Yeah, yeah, and like Jensen and fucking all that shit. But I still have. I will still pray for Jensen. Yeah, well, I don't know. You always liked him. I don't know. Yeah, about I like him. him. I like him. He tries so hard. Yeah, I he love, tries. I love very, to try very hard. 
Um, um, and then them? finally, the seven. I mean, I think West Ham's got a few very interesting names. I think Lanzini is someone that we both really like towards the end of last yeah, season. Yeah, he came probably, alive. Probably going to be on pens, um, but he was very central to everything they did. And IU is still there. He was at the same bracket there in the seven region. Um, yeah, IU big disappointment capable. last year, but you can't forget yeah, fifteen sixteen. No, you can't. I mean, he's one that could put 15 goals in from the midfield position, which is would be incredible value yep. for a 7 million midfielder. So I think West Ham, you know, they've got a very tricky opening three straightaway games. Fixtures are a little bit mixed, but oh, someone wow. like Lanzini is kind is of... their schedule like that? It's awful. They had, they had something weird with the second game. They had to switch it or something. At, at Manure, at Soton, at Newcastle. That's not good. But someone like Lanzini is kind of, to me, similar of like Siggy, where it's like if they score, they do something, he's going to be involved. Yeah, his goal and, participation is very, yeah, very, very high. high. And he's just like a classy, genius guy. So I, I'm very interested in Lanzini. What do you think, think about Siggy? Speaking of Siggy, is, is the dream dead? Yeah, 8-5 eight, eight, is, is too much. When he's playing in the bracket with like Coutinho and... Ali and Otsal and those fucks who are within like a million up there. You you want to stretch to someone more premium on a team that's going to score four goals a game. Even Sane. Yeah. If you go Siggy over Sane, that's a tough one because Siggy's best case is they score two goals and you know he has a double return. But Sane, that could happen every game. Yep, absolutely. So I think Siggy's got to be a no fly zone. Even if he goes to Everton on eight five, I don't think that's good value. I don't. I just don't think that that's a good price for him. I'm pretty Full down summer. on Everton so far this summer. Like they're doing the, they're making the same mistake that Liverpool just made with Suarez and Spurs made with Bale, etc. And they're selling their by far best player to a much bigger team for a fucking insane amount of money and buying a bunch of like I don't know projects kind of. Like a bunch of unknowns. And I don't know. I just don't see good things. I, I mean, I do like Klassen. I think he's a good player. I think he could fit in nicely and he could figure it out. Premier League. The one guy I have nothing, I don't know shit about is fucking Sandro. I have no idea who he is. And he's such a weird project unknown. I mean, he's very public. Not public. He's very just, he's been in and around a lot of big clubs. I think Barca, like, cut him or something, you know, and he's he's won leagues and stuff, I think, but he's also failed, and I think last season was like a revelation. He scored 15 goals. So it's yeah, like... It's not necessarily know. a recipe for success. Yeah, it's not who you want to, like, Rooney. bank your season on. Rooney, yeah, great. Uh, Rooney, yeah, what the fucking are you doing? They did really price up their... hike their prices on their defensive assets, though. There's no nothing cheap there except for the Coleman replacement. But I don't know. Everton have such a bad run to begin with. It's uh, it's a very firm stay away for me. Yeah, Pickford's great, but I yeah, don't know. Pickford's Pickford's a genius. Um, let's talk about Lacazette for a moment because I think he is the probably the biggest splashiest name from outside of the league to have been signed. What do you? What are your hopes and dreams for? Alexandra? I mean, producer <laughs> producer Nate and I have. Probably each had him like a dozen times in different FIFA careers. We're very into him. I, I mean, he's he's almost post hype. I feel like like two years ago, it was being talked about he'd go like fifty, sixty million to like top top world club. So it's kind of a nice sneaky under the radar buy. I feel like from Arsenal, like 
I feel like the other French guys, Mbappe and shit, kind of overshadowed him. He's so consistent and so good. Like, he just, over 20 goals every year. Pens, automatic, like, incredibly high on all the statistics and all that stuff. I just think he's going to come straight in and just be incredible. I think he's really, really good. It's a big endorsement. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I haven't, like, watched that much Lyon or anything, but I've seen some highlights in Europa League, Champions League, and stuff like that. And I've seen Lacazette highlights and stuff. And I don't know. He's just... The consistency is the biggest thing to me. Like, teams are willing to spend, like, who the fuck knows, 80 million, 100 million on someone like Mbappe, who I love. It's just, like, Lacazette has never not been one of the best players, one of the strikers in Europe every year. He's just so consistent and so much production. Just seems like I, I just don't see him not being great. Yeah, I mean, he could come right in and just score 20 goals this season. He should. I mean, how long have we been saying that about Arsenal? Like, imagine if they had someone other than Donkey up top, if they had a good striker, and he almost scores 20 goals a year, and he's fucking LeDonk. It's like they actually seven, they got a good one this year. What about a 7-5 Lucas Perez? Could I interest you in that? <sighs> Maybe if he was, like, goalie. Four or five. I'd, I'd look at him. Um, okay, so Lacazette. We like Lacazette. We'll see how he settles. It's still a tough one for me when you're looking at him. Same price as Gab Jesus, who we know has done it and looks the, looks the business. That, that's, you, that's his shortcoming, Lacazette, right there. Is he's going up against proven elite FPL commodities. Jesus, Kuhn, Lukaku, Kane, like you just can't really reason Lacazette over one of them unless you're, I guess, double Ali Eriksson or something and get him over Kane or something like that. Right. What do you think about the Kuhn versus Gab Jesus uh, price very similarly? Kuhn a little down year, but he still scored 20 fucking league goals, so he didn't really have that big of a down year. Just wasn't Isn't scoring that crazy? for fun. Yeah, everyone thought he was terrible when he scored 20 goals. Gab Jesus was kind of playing on the wing towards the end of the last season, the last handful of fixtures. Aguero looked like he was back in the center forward position. Pens very much up in the air. Uh, both Aguero took them earlier in the season, missed a few. Gab Jesus took one with, I think Aguero might have been off the pitch, but he took one or two late in the season. What are you, what are you looking at between the two of them? Is it a stay away? Do you want one of them? What do you, what do you think? I mean, it's definitely not a stay away. I think Man City are probably on paper the best team in the league. Um, and they'll probably score the most goals in the league. I, I would be, I mean, they're at minimum like top three, you know. Um, so it's far from a stay away. I just don't have a good read on it, I feel like, right now. I do feel like everyone in the world is on Jesus, but that's just recency bias because he was so explosive and fun and good in kind of a weird Aguero year. But, like, I wouldn't be surprised if Aguero was center forward and Jesus was a little wider and Aguero scored 25 goals. Like, wouldn't be surprising to me at all. No, that couldn't be surprising. Yeah, and but Jesus is double his ownership, which, you know, that's yep. that says it all right there. Okay, so maybe Jerry's still out there, but Aguero, I'm, he's under 5% ownership at this point, I think. That's a big time Yeah, he's 8.8. That's crazy. 8.8, yeah. That, Coming that's off a, big a down year where he scored 20 goals and 5 assists. 
And he didn't. He had a red card, and he got suspended and hurt, and he didn't even play that many games. Yeah, yeah. Jesus, am I talking myself back into Kuhn already? Maybe, maybe, maybe Kuhn is the cometh the hour. Cometh. He the didn't man. even play like thirty games. I don't think. Like, yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, what about Rom? Rom's the last big four that we haven't talked about, really. How do you feel about him? He's in both of our I mean, teams. He, he's the most straight in thing of life for me. I just think that if there's a player that's going to score 30 this year and challenge Kane, it's going to be Rom. I think Kane and Rom are 1A and 1B of striker options this season. 11 5, very generously priced. Um, Zlatan's conversion rate last year as United center forward was pretty low. Uh, Lukaku is just a, for however many pinball first touches he has out of bounds and whatever his <laughs> failures are as a footballer, as a complete footballer, what he does do is score goals in the Premier League. If he's capable of scoring 20 goals on an Everton team where they're starting Idrissa Gay, 25 Barry, goals. It wasn't even just yeah, 20. I mean, yeah. They're, he's, they have fucking fodder in midfield, supplying him with horse shit, and he's scoring 25 goals a, goals a league season. He should be able to get into the third, close to 30 uh, with the yeah. volume that he's going to get from United. And I think 11.5 is a very generous price. I was expecting 12 or 12.5, as just as I was expecting Kane to come in at 13, if not almost 14, like RVP a few years ago. I think that the building blocks of your team should be Kane and Lukaku, at the game week one standpoint, and then just figure it out from there. And I and think just it's a, a captain conundrum every week, but they're man, definitely the two standout captains every week. Yeah, I mean, it's just the amount of chances that Lukaku's going to get and the quality of chances that he's going to get from the midfield three of Pogba, Mctarian will be in there. You know, all of their fucking guys. It, the upgrade from what he was dealing with with Everton going into the United side is just absurd. And, you know, we always looked at him as a flat track bully for Everton. It was really was only the case because they would play with 10 behind the midway line against the good teams and he would be completely isolated. For this United side, when they're dominating possession, he's going to have that many more chances. He's going to be returning in extremely consistently. And, I mean, I think he's a, he's a pretty safe pretty safe bet. I couldn't imagine not having him on my team. Yeah, I mean, he's very safe. It's pretty impossible to imagine him, barring injury, not scoring 20 goals. Like, he should be on pens as usual. And, yeah, they create a lot more chances. I've seen a lot of people saying that United style doesn't cater to him because he's best in open space and best, like, running at people and stuff, but another... That's not even true. I mean, it kind of is. He's not best in open space, like dribbling wise, but he wants to be running full speed and just using his insane yeah, like strength and and. Speed. He's really good with back to goal. I mean, he can do quick turns, and he's really good at controlling the body, controlling the ball with his chest and shit like that. Like he can score from anywhere. No, I mean, yeah, I'm not doubting yeah. his ability. It just, yeah, I could yeah, see yeah. the argument that he would fit better in a different side than a Mourinho side, but. A different pod I listened to made the point that you know playing slow is not what Mourinho teams do. Mourinho teams just sometimes don't attack, which is very different than playing slow. Playing right. slow is what Van Hall did. Mourinho right. plays normal speed, sometimes fast, but sometimes they just choose not to attack, which is, I think, a, a pertinent point. Yeah, I mean, Rom is nailed. He's 
he's incredible. I hate United. I hate Mourinho, but Lukaku's in my team. And in our teams. In our teams. All right, let's. Uh, we're getting long here, and we're yeah, getting a little, a little bit rambly for, for a hot take pod. I don't know. There, there are some fan questions, but I don't know. I'm looking save them for a rainy day. Yeah, maybe save them for a rainy day. I guess. Do you want to just do a quick burst of what what our first drafts are on day one? Yeah, let's do that. I think that'll answer a lot of questions for that the fan questions anyway, and that's okay. a good way to end the pod. I think so. Uh, why don't you kick it off? Okay, so I got Foster Myhill at the back, 8-5. Seems like a good pair to me. Um, really good fixture for West Brom. I don't have that much confidence that Pulis is suddenly going to uh, turn around back to old Pulis ball after his awful showing last year of the clean sheets. But at 8-5 with Foster getting save, save points last year, I like that. I've got pretty cheap at the back. I have Cedric at 5-0. Uh, with those fixtures, looks great to me. And then I've got four, four, five options. And this was just kind of my first smattering of yeah, looking at we all just, the teams. We, all, we both just threw these together yeah, quickly. Yeah, and so my four fives, just the first four that jumped out of the page I saw were, were uh, Tompkins, who I think could hopefully be nailed for us on Palace with great opening fixtures. That Ben me in there for Burnley with good home fixtures. Uh, Kyle Naughton at four or five looked like good value on Swansea. And then I do have DeAndre Yedlin in there at 4-5 or five on the Yeti. team. Yeti. Even though it's a promoted side, which I usually try and avoid promoted side defenses, Newcastle seems just as good as you know any of Swansea, Burnley, and whatnot. Yeah, with Raffle, Newcastle so. seems like a different case. Different animal. I'm a little nervous about Yedlin and Cedric getting every yellow card every game. But also, Yedlin a, got rotated. I was looking hard at Yedlin, but he, he got rotated a lot last season. Yeah, so I mean that might be Kieran Clark or Lejeune, the new yeah. guy they bought, or some or Lasalas. He's the captain. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, getting a getting a four or five Newcastle guy not off the table. I did like Marco Silva's Wofford four or five options, but fixtures are kind of bad for them defensively um, for the first six or eight before I'd probably be looking a wild card. So yeah, that's why I was kind of keeping it on Newcastle uh, midfield. I have a midfield five. I have Zaha, Tadic, De Bruyne, Willian, and Otsel. Um, my my Kevin Love could not be bred deeper within my soul. Probably <laughs> and, yeah. not gonna. Probably We're, not. Gonna, I, I was expecting him to come in at about eleven. So when I saw him in at ten, when everyone else was at nine five, that got me going. Um, and then Otsel, you know, Otsel's Otsel and William, I think, are the two that I'm going to be chopping and changing. I'm not sure how committed I am there. I really would like Otsel. Nine five though, as we were discussing earlier with Ollie and the other kind of players kicking in and around that price bracket. I'm not sure if I'm going to stick there. Uh, Tadic and Zaha feel very safe for me, unless if something crazy happens with Pellegrino where he's not really playing Tadic. But I think those two at the seven and six five brackets look really good to me. Pretty decent opening few fixtures, and then up top I have Kane and Lukaku, who I built the team around, and then I have uh, Ashley Fletcher at four five fodder. So you're three Probably. five two worth noting. So three, am I. Yeah, three five two. I mean, it's also I was looking at the third forwards in the six and to seven regions. I think Troy Deeney's very well yeah, priced. Yeah, Deeney, I five. have to start also. Yeah, he, he seems uh, like a bargain. Yeah, I think you know you got J Rod pretty well priced. You got Chazzy Austin baby well priced. So there's 
There's a few good options uh, in that seven bracket. Yeah, I like might Defoe. go back to four three. I mean, three yeah, four three. No, no, you could do. It. I mean, you could, and then you got Defoe, Firmino in that eight region. Giroud, who's we don't know where he's going to end up. If he goes to West Ham, you know, Ianacho, uh, Vardy's not too expensive. So there, there's a lot of, there's uh, a lot of guys. striker choice. Yeah, a lot of guys there, but I like the volume of midfield options, and I like being able to hop on and off a little bit more, have a little bit more volume of just players that you could get. It's very, very fun um, to to be able to just have five kind of flexible spots because there's so, like, other than, we both have Kevin, other than Kevin, like, basically everyone between, like, nine and six are, like, interchangeable, like, easy double transfers and stuff. Yeah, and that's something that we talked a lot about towards the end of last year where the 3-5-2 really was beneficial is that instead of that third striker where you really only have three options and they're all kind of shitty, that midfielder in that same price bracket, you have ten, and you can, you know, you have more chance to hop on and off at the right time. Yeah, you have ten known and then, like, five unknown who are just going to emerge because it happens every season. Yeah, so that's where I am right now. We'll see. We'll we'll keep it going throughout the pods. What what are you looking at? Yep, um, I have Tom Legend, Heaton, and Elliot at keeper. I just couldn't look past Tom. I'm gonna try really hard to not go down to a four or five. Um, just the amount of go- the amount of shots that Burnley let up are so consistently like top one or two in the league. He just gets a billion saves and bonus points, and it's just it's just nailed. He's just Probably going to be the highest scoring goalie again this year. Um, Milner was maybe the first name in my team sheet in the back. I just think rarely have we ever seen a defender who's got this many pretty much guaranteed goals barring injury. Like the last guy was probably prime Baines, and he went up to like 7 5 when he was like really, really titting in FPL. I just think. Like, if you look at Milner's last two years, he would have been the highest-scoring defender if you apply the clean sheet points and the extra points for goals. And that's just not even counting the extra bonus points. I just think it's insane to not have Milner, to be honest. Um, but I'm much heavier in defense than you are. I also have Bertrand, Southampton's fixtures we, we already mentioned. I always love Bertrand. He was great, like, kind of second half of the season last year. A lot of returns. Their fixtures are insane. Not much else to say. Um, I have Britos, as you mentioned. I like I like Marco Silva. I believe in Marco Silva. Um, I have me also, so I have double Burnley defense. Their home fixtures, like you mentioned, are just good up until like very late in the season. And we know what Burnley do at home. They keep cleans for fun. And then I have a 4-0 guy. I don't know. People have talked that this guy might be a starter on Huddersfield, Stankovic. I don't know if there's going to be any 4 million starters, though there's very, very few of them. Yeah, there might be. I mean, Rasenior has been talked about. Yeah, a lot um, of people have Rangel. Yeah, on Hell Rangel. But we'll have to see. We'll have to see. I, that might have to change, especially 3-5-2. You need, like, a good fourth and probably a playing fifth because... Yeah, I mean, ch- doing those two to Cedric in a 4-5 is a very simple switch. Yeah, very simple. Um, my midfield right now is also Kevin. I have Coutinho. I've been already tinkering with Coutinho spots so much. I've had Ozil, I've had Ali, I've had Mane, I've had Phil, I've had others. Um, William's been in my side from the start. John Joe's been in my side from the start. I'm a huge John Joe fan. 
And kind of like you mentioned earlier, I just think Newcastle are much better than normally promoted sides. John Joe's also done it before in the Prem, like pretty good returns for a 5-5, like very good value if he can replicate his his past. Um, and then right now I just have John Walters. I don't know. That spot's basically just a question mark. It could be JWP. could be JWP. It could be, I mean, maybe Walters ends up being a forward in, in, in a 4-4-2 and he silver foxes me to the title. Um, but I don't know. It's kind of bad down there. Like, I would love to find more money and bump up someone, and that might have to be Coutinho. I don't know. That's that's very up in the air. Then I have Kane Lukaku, similar, and I have Crouchy, 5 yeah. yeah, you got to shed point five there and go to a fodder. Yeah, probably. It just it just sucks to have a guy who just will play zero minutes. Although I saw I saw some rumors that Fletcher's uh, maybe in transfer. One of the promoted sides. Yeah, give me that all day. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be incredible. So yeah, I'll probably do that, and it's it's more fun to tinker with fodder also. So, so you have no palace. I have no palace. Why are they going to begin this year? Yeah, you're bad, and I have no Liverpool. So go for it. <laughs> there we go. Perfect. All right, let's wrap it. Uh, where Next am pod. I? What are we doing? Next pod in fucking two days tomorrow. We'll do. Days, yeah. Well. I'll tweet we'll out the pot schedule or something. Yeah, we'll just pot every day of preseason. Um, er, er day. Er day. We'll do. We'll tweet out some sort of schedule or something. We'll, I th- yeah. we'll do three preseason pods by price bracket. Really get stuck in a lot more in depth and a lot more fan questions. I think on yep. the next ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, that'll do. Check us out at fmlpl.com. Follow on Twitter at fmlpl. Email us at fmlpl at gmail.com. Join our league like on Facebook and on iTunes. Cheers. Sweating bullets right now. Wow, pod's back. Pod's back, baby.